It's been hard to do a series that has breaks in it because it all flows on in a logical way and all its logic hangs on and depends on the death of Jesus. So, chapter 4, verse 25, for one example, says, He, Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. It all depends on the death of Jesus. That's how God could have mercy on wicked people. On Boxing Day, one of my children was ill and I read her The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. And I hope she enjoyed it nearly as much as I enjoyed reading it to her. Great story! And in this story, Aslan, the Lion King, the son of the Emperor over the seas, I hope you can guess who that's supposed to represent, he dies in the place of, he dies to, to rescue Edmund, the miserable sneaky traitor. And Edmund's sister Lucy says to her sister Susan, does Edmund know what Aslan has done for him? Should we tell him what Aslan has done for him? And Susan says, no, no, of course not. Think how he'd feel if he knew what Aslan had done for him. What a great line. Christian brothers and sisters, think how you and I should feel that we know what Jesus, the Son of God, has done for us. Not just in some story, but in real history, in a real body, really suffering and dying. That's what this mercy means. So, fellow Christians, view God's mercy. Think about it. Turn it over in your mind. Meditate on the Bible's descriptions of it. And then surely it will motivate you to this. Chapter 12, verse 1. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Now, if you're not a Christian, and I hope you've been listening, if you're you're not a Christian, if you've been listening and noticed this, how different this is from other religions. How different this is. Just about all other religions are like club card points. Now, you all know about club card points, don't you? Because loads of shops have them, and they're all basically the same, even though they're different variations. It may be Tesco club card, it may be Boots Advantage card, it may be Sainsbury's Nectar card... They all have different rewards and slightly different systems, but they're all basically this, aren't they? You spend your money, you earn credit, you get rewards. Now, all the religions of the world, they're slightly different. They offer slightly different rewards, supposedly, but they're all basically that, aren't they? You go to Mass. You do your five pillars of Islam. You worship your Hindu idols. You're kind to the poor. And you earn credit. And you get rewards. But this in Romans is so different. It isn't offer your bodies to God to earn a reward. It is in view of mercy, freely given. In view of a reward Jesus has earned for you. Now, motivated by that, give your life to God. Completely the other way round from all other religion, including twisted versions of Christianity. This is the mercy you need. And it's offered to you to ask for it and receive it. Ask him for it. And do notice, the difference isn't just a principle called mercy. The difference is a person called Jesus Christ 
who because he's God and man, because he is holiness and love, because he is the lawgiver who became a law taker condemned by the law, he could bring us this mercy. Mercy that motivates us to offer our bodies living sacrifices to God. Mercy is the motivation, but it isn't just the motivation. We need to move on. Mercy is the means. Mercy is the means. Now again, we need to do a little bit of Bible study. To understand chapter 12, verse 1, it helps to know a parallel. What is the central idea in Romans 12, verse 1? Well, the central idea is offering, isn't it? It's all about offering your bodies. It's given us a motivation to do it, but it it centres around this idea of offering and this word offer. And this word offer has only come up in one place before now. And in that place, it's come up quite a few times. And the place is chapter 6, verse 13 to 19. Romans 6, verse 13 to 19. And I'll read you one example, verse 13. Romans 6, verse 13. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Do you see a very clear parallel? Romans 12 is about offering your body to God. This is about offering your body to God to to live righteously. Now, in chapter 12, verse 1, God's mercy leads to offering yourself to him. In chapter 6, what leads to offering yourself to God? Well, we just read it in verse 13. It's you've been brought from death to life. It's, Christian, you have died and risen with Jesus because you're united to him. And this enables people who were slaves to sin to be freed to serve God. This means God's mercy isn't just motivation to try to do better, it's also what frees and enables us so we can do differently and give ourselves to God. What does that mean for us? It means we need more than motivation. Motivation's really good, isn't it? But it's not enough on its own. When I was at university, I tried my hand at rowing, which you might not believe because I'm not built like a rower, but I gave it a try. And I remember doing some circuit training. Oh, such hard work, circuit training. And I remember feeling like I had no energy left, nothing more to give. And then in came the coach, and over he came, and I was motivated again, not just managing to keep going, but driving away. I thought, wow, sports psychology is odd, isn't it? I wasn't just being feeble, I really thought I was about to collapse and give up and there was more in reserve once I was motivated. Motivation can do a lot, but it can't do everything. When it came to my first race, Evesham Regatta, I was so motivated. I tried so hard and I lost so badly. There's a limit to what motivation can do. (coughs) We need motivation in the Christian life, but we need more. And God's mercy does more. It also is the means to enable us. Christianity isn't just believing ideas and principles and being motivated by them. Christianity is supernatural. It's about God's work now. It's not just believing what God did 2,000 years ago. It's also having God do something in you now. 
change you. So as we as a church look ahead into 2019, yes, we need to view God's mercy and be motivated. We need to make known God's mercy so others are motivated. But we also need God's work in us and in others. So we are changed people and so they are changed people and together we offer our bodies to God as living sacrifices. And do notice again, this isn't all just relying on a principle called mercy, it's all relying on a person called Jesus. Have a look at chapter 12, verse 1 again. It says, we're to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. We're aiming to please God. But chapter 8, verse 8, has given us some bad news. Because chapter 8, verse 8 says, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. If you're controlled by your sinful nature, if sin is still in control of your life, you cannot please God. What is the answer? The answer is chapter 8, verse 3. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man, to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. What's that saying? It's saying the things we are God willing going to hear from chapter 12 onwards, we can only do if we belong to Jesus. We can only do if we've had his work in us by his Spirit. Don't try them if you haven't had that. You need that and you can ask for that. Jesus, I need to belong to you. Jesus, I need your work in me. Jesus, I need you to give me your spirit. Mercy through Jesus is the means for living this way. Mercy is the motivation. Mercy is the means. And mercy is the map. This is a bit more odd sounding, but I will explain. Mercy is the map. Now, so far, I've been referring back to Romans chapters 1 to 8 to show how it all links together. But you might think to yourself, what about chapters 9 to 11? Are they just an interlude? Are they an awkward bit that's wrongly got in the way? No. Chapters 9 to 11 carry on the theme of the Gospel. And chapter 12, verse 1, refers back to them. You'd expect that... Because it says therefore, which means because of what's just been said. And chapters 9 to 11 have just been said. And this is emphasised by the only use of the word mercy before chapter 12 is in chapters 9 to 11. Romans never used the word mercy until chapters 9 to 11 and then it used the word mercy quite a lot. I'll give you just one example. Chapter 9 verse 18. Therefore God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Chapters 9 to 11 have been about mercy and they've been showing what God's mercy is doing. They've been showing what is the aim of God's mercy. And it's this, chapters 9 to 11 have been about God choosing a people to save. So God has a people for his son a united people, a holy people, and a large number of people from all around the world. 
Chapters 9 to 11 have been saying that's what God's mercy is doing. And so in chapter 9 to 11, God's mercy is showing us where we're heading. It's like the map showing us where we're heading. Think of it like this. If the Christian life is like a car journey, mercy is the key in the ignition. It's the motivation. It starts us off and it keeps us going. And mercy is like the petrol in the tank. It's the means so we can go. And mercy is like the map. It shows us what direction to go, where we should be travelling. So, where should we be travelling? What direction should we go? Chapter 12, verse 1. In view of God's mercy, do what the rest of the book is going to say. And when we view God's mercy, it shows us what offering our bodies is going to be like. How does it do that? Well, chapters 9 to 11 have said, God's mercy is creating a united people. Chapters 9 to 11 have talked about Gentiles being saved and Jews being saved and in the end being one people together, united. So, in view of this mercy, live in unity. Offering our bodies as living sacrifices will involve doing things to promote unity. Like, verse 3, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Like, verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Like, verse 13, share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Do you see, they are all things that follow the map set in chapters 9 to 11. God's mercy is bringing unity to people who were apart. Chapters 9 to 11 have also said God's mercy is overcoming evil. It's creating a holy people. For example, chapter 11, verse 26, the deliverer will come from Zion, he will turn godlessness away from Jacob. God's mercy is all about overcoming evil, making a holy people. So in view of this mercy, overcome evil. Offering our bodies to God as living sacrifice will involve things like chapter 12, verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It will involve a self-sacrificial response to unreasonable people. Do you see, God's mercy provides the map that shows us an outline of what offering our bodies as living sacrifices is like. And chapter 12 onwards will fill in the details of the map. I'll just give you one more example. Um, I know I've loaded a lot in, but I can't resist giving you this one. God's mercy is also doing this. It's reversing mankind's downward spiral. Chapter 1 told us mankind's downward spiral. It described people spiralling down in false and foolish worship and corrupted minds and rejecting God's will. Then Romans has shown God's mercy reversing that until we get to chapter 12 where it says, in view of God's mercy, in view of this mercy, now it says, worship God with a renewed mind. 
and find out his will. Offering our bodies will result in what? Will involve what? Verse 1, it will involve spiritual or reasonable worship. It will involve, verse 2, renewed, transformed minds. It will involve, verse 2, finding out and doing God's will. Do you see, it's the exact opposite of chapter 1. Foolish and corrupted work, foolish worship, corrupted minds rejecting God's will. Now, reasonable worship, renewed minds doing God's will. God's mercy has mapped out what our response should be like. Now, all of, I've just rushed through, there are a load of big subjects that I'm hoping we'll come back to in the coming weeks. But for the moment, I'm just trying to show you, they all flow from God's mercy. Mercy is the map that shows us where we're heading. And I'm also trying to show you, the Bible's an amazing book, isn't it? The Bible's an amazing book. It's, it's written so well. It ties together so well. It is worth delving into. Just, we've just had a few words this morning, haven't we? In view of God's mercy. And I've had to cut back what I wanted to say on them. There's so much in them. It's no jumble of primitive myths. If anyone here is believing that, that it's a jumble of primitive myths, you really have got to think again, haven't you? But actually, actually, my aim hasn't been just to show you a book and impress you with it. My aim has been to show you a person and impress you with him. I want you to see through the Bible and in the Bible, Jesus. He's the motivation He's the means and he's the map. Because in the end, all these things in Romans 12 are about being like him. So what should you do? What should you do following on from this morning? What should you do as you go home this afternoon and through this coming week? Simple. View God's mercy. Will you do that? View God's mercy. And if you haven't before, ask him for his mercy. Plead with him for his mercy. He's very ready to give it. And then be amazed at his mercy. Spend time wondering at God's mercy. Thank him for his mercy. And then surely you must do this. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God.